Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hare. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing the monsters. Do you happen to know what the name of the monster's pet dragon was? You will find that out by the end of this episode. But before we get started with this week's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Welcome back to another episode of Sprite Castle. Uh, I like to start off the news by giving all my video links. You can go to youtube.com forward slash Sprite Castle and find uh, links to not Sprite Castle, but to you don't know Flack. <laughs> if you want to find Sprite Castle, you need to go to youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming. And there are playlists there where you can watch this podcast instead of just listening to it. I like to add there's videos of the game. There are screenshots of the box art and things like that that I find. And plus, you can look at my dumb face. <laughs> So that's always a plus. Uh, if you want to catch my Wednesday night streams or other streams as they pop up, you can go to twitch.tv forward slash Rob O'Hara. That is free. And uh, of course, all my podcast links and everything are located at podcast.roboHara.com. So with that out of the way, let's see. I don't think that I have uh, much feedback to report on over the last episode, which was River Raid. I think I pretty much covered everything in River Raid. There was some, I got some email discussion about people earning patches and the scores that you needed to achieve the patches. Um, I don't have any official Activision patches, but maybe that's something, uh, well, I was going to say something I work on. I don't think Activision is still sitting up River Raid patches. Maybe I work on it by going to eBay, <laughs> buying some patches. Um, but, uh, I did get lots of little comments, uh, from people commenting on River Raid and talking about how they enjoyed the game and I enjoyed reading all of those. Let's jump ahead to this week's King of the Castle. Now, again, last episode we played River Raid and, uh, let's see, I had an email the other day from Mike McLaughlin, who identified the song on River Raid as Blue Monday by New Order. I got an email today from Louis Gornfeld, who identified the song as Take Me to the River by Talking Heads. So, Mike, Louis, if you guys will step up right over here, uh, I will walk you over to, if you just stand right here on the square on the floor, I'll take you right to the King of the Castle right after I pull this switch. I'm sorry, fellas. You did not get the right song this time. The right song was Don't You Want Somebody to Love by Jefferson Airplane with the very tentative tie to River Raid that you fly an airplane in the game and the band is Jefferson Airplane. Uh, also, uh, someone did point out that it is a fighter jet, <laughs> which technically is still an airplane, but... Uh, I, uh, all right, I'll give that to you. Congratulations to Chris Albright, Daniel Galeppa, or that's probably Jaleppa, sorry about that, Daniel, uh, Joseph Sharippa, William Paulson, Stephen Bell, Mitsuyama, 
Adam from the Retro Gaming Bygones podcast, Mike Dancy, Paul Marfleet, Steve Sharippa, David Modelak, uh, Pajaco 6502, Pixel Poldy. Boy, it's a good thing that I expanded the uh, VIP room and did all my expansions on the previous episode because uh, otherwise it would be super crowded in there again this time. We've also got Edward Smith, Scooter Prime, Bill Spear, and the Slow Norris. So congratulations to everybody who got uh, the right song for the King of the Castle. And uh, my apologies to... Uh, Lewis and Mike, who are treading water down. I mean, I see you guys down there in the uh, moat, and I know that the uh, alligators from Pitfall are down there in the moat. There's just really not much I can do while I'm recording. So keep treading water, guys. Hopefully you will get out, and uh, maybe you will get the song correct next time. Uh, If you would like a spot at earning uh, a ticket to the VIP room, all you need to do is listen to the 8-bit song. At the end of this episode, it will have some connection. It could be on the nose. It could be uh, difficult to figure out, but whatever it is, uh, send me an email to Rob O'Hara at robohara.com and include the name of the song and the band, I guess, or the performer, and tell me what the connection is, and you will receive a key. Not a real key. You get a picture of a key. But you do get a key uh, to the VIP room where all the fun party is going on uh, 24-7. So, um, unfortunately, I had lined up for the pilot from River Raid to give people rides, but he started drinking early and then took off in the jet, and we haven't seen him since. So, unfortunately, the free jet rides uh, from the River Raid pilot were not possible. But I hope everybody had a good time uh, this week in the VIP room. Moving on to Commodore news, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, the first thing on my list, this is not uh, 64 specific related news, but the Mega 65 is now available for pre-orders. I've been avoiding talking about the Mega 65 because it's not a Commodore 64, although it is Commodore 64 compatible. It is an FPGA computer that uses um it it's uh, an advanced version it is a a theoretical successor to the commodore 64 so it supports more colors it has uh, I believe it supports 80 bits uh it supports uh, at least four sid chips either four or six i think four uh so it's going to uh, play in theory it's 40 times faster if i didn't say that the processor is 40 times faster than the original commodore 64 and it's supposed to be mostly backwards compatible so if you want a actual physical computer that plays commodore 64 games but people will be hopefully developing new games to run and take advantage of all that new hardware um it is now available for pre-order now here's where i drop this on you the total is 666.66 pounds uh, if you're in the U.S., that is $742. So, um, you know, there's always going to be, you can put, uh, you can come out with a computer and you can put a million dollars and there will be a few people that uh, will get it just for the collectability. So that's great. And um, I am not getting in on the pre-order, but I will be curious to see what happens. I would like to see some 
what the new games are going to look like to take advantage of this hardware and to see how it's embraced by the gaming community. So I am standing, uh, I wouldn't even say in the stands. I'm standing like outside the stands, looking in at the stands or looking in at the Mega 65 to see what it does. So uh, if that is your bag and you have uh, 700 and something dollars laying around, then the pre-order is waiting for you. Uh, other Commodore 64 hardware news. Uh, this week we saw a release of the 65. This is not a 6502 or not the 65C02, which uh, is uh, supports the CMOS. This is the 65F02, and the F uh, can either stand for fast or FPGA. This is designed to be a drop-in replacement for a 6502 CPU. It is 100 times faster than the original 6502. Uh, they have used it as a replacement 6502 in Apple computers. I believe the Commodore PET. I don't think it's drop-in ready for a Commodore 64, but uh, it is open source. So if you want to pick one of these up and then, I guess, make the, the necessary changes, whatever needs to happen. I'm not fully uh vested in this yet but i'm watching this to see i think it's probably a safe bet to say that in our lifetime most of the hardware that we enjoy retro computing on will probably die i mean uh, capacitors are the number one thing right now you know and, and we see those problems on motherboards and uh, power supplies and things like that and we've got around that but eventually these chips are going to die and so i think fpga drop-in replacements are probably the future for a lot of these things i think it has breathed new life into the uh, commodore 64 world with the ultimate 64 and as other solutions begin to present themselves i think it's just going to keep this era of computing alive so um, i don't really see the business case use for having a processor that's a hundred times faster. Like I don't need my games to run a hundred times faster than they do right now. Um, I suppose you could, if it's something you can toggle on and off, you know, then you could use it almost like a warp button in an emulator where you want to, you know, render something or, or do CAD or something in geos maybe. And uh, you could turn that processor up to a hundred times faster and then turn it back down when you want to do other things. Maybe that's a solution. I don't really know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is adopted and becomes a, a, a more common drop-in replacement for old systems when their processors finally die. We have several headlines relating to new games. The first one I wanted to mention is a news story that was on games that weren't. This is uh, a website that collects news and is always looking for games that were reportedly uh, in certain stages of development, could be early prototypes, it could be things that were just lost along the way. And they have, uh, someone working with them has uncovered a early beta copy of Popeye. Now there was a copy of Popeye released by uh, Parker Brothers, but this is a earlier beta. It hasn't been seen in 40 years, and I believe the same guy that worked with them on recovering uh, Joust uh, is the same person that worked on this. So that is available on the Games That Weren't website if you want to download that earlier version of Popeye and check it out. It looks a little bit different than the ones that we're used to. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, the uh, Arlisoft, the guy, this guy is a porting machine. Uh, he, I, on the last episode, I talked about how he had just released Galaga 
for the Commodore 64. And in between that episode and this episode, he has ported over Galaxian as well. Now, I don't know. I suppose there are probably some people out there that prefer Galaxian to Galaga. I don't know. Um, but it was obviously the predecessor. My, I have a lot of early memories of playing Galaxian. It was the one of the few games that my local bowling alley had when my mom went there when I was a really little kid. And I remember going and playing Galaxian. In fact, I would take my Legos. I think I mentioned this on the Lego episode of You Don't Know Flack. I would take my Legos and I would build little tiny ships that look like the, uh, the ships from Galaxian. So I definitely had some experience playing that game as a kid. Uh, this version includes a two-player co-op mode and a speedrun mode. And it says that all the enemy attack code was ported directly from the arcade Z80 code. So it should act and play exactly like the arcade game, which is pretty exciting. So uh, go out there and Google uh, Arlisoft and Galaxian, and you will definitely be able to find that. It's on itch.io, and I believe it's arlisoft.itch.io, and you'll be able to find that and download for free. Uh, I played another new free game called Rocket Away 2. Uh, this is a, uh, I believe the, what is the term for this genre? Like a endless runner. It's kind of similar to that, except for it's a space game and you're flying through space and you basically have to avoid asteroids. And I believe this is a sequel to a uh, former competition game, maybe one of those 4K games something like that. And so this is kind of a fun, I believe it's being advertised as a party game. You could play this as a party game, see who could get the highest score or whatever. You know what? It's free. Don't complain. Go play it. <laughs> get in your rocket. Get in your rocket and fly away to a copy of Rocket Away 2, which is now available for free. Uh, speaking of free, there's a new game out called Starhawks, which is another game by Richard Bayless. This is a Zap, one a new Zap cover disc. It is a Galaxian style game. Lots of uh, space games coming out right now, so uh, it's uh, a little bit different. There's a shield, and uh, the the graphics, the sprites are larger than what I'm used to. So there's not a lot of space between you and the aliens. So when they come down, they come down pretty fast. But uh, if you uh, want to take on the challenge of eliminating the galaxy of evil Starhawks, and that's H-A-W-X, then uh, Google Starhawks, and you'll be able to find that. And finally, this is like the 1159 breaking news of the day, is Sarah Jane Avery has released Briley Witch Chronicles. Uh, you can find this on uh, Sarah's page on itch.io. If you search Twitter for Briley Witch Chronicles, I've been mentioning about 100 tweets today. So it is all over the interwebs. People have been excited. They've been waiting a long time for this. I believe this is a uh, original. Well, I know it's an original uh, RPG. I believe she refers to it as a JRPG from uh, uh, my experience. It kind of looks like, you know, Link or those or uh, Zelda, like those type of games where you move around through a world and go into buildings and you talk to people and, and, um, it is available for $9.99, and for that, you can download the CRT image, which can be put on, uh, gosh, just about anything. You can play it on emulators. You can play it uh, on the Mister. You can put it on an Easy Flash, play it on a real Commodore 64, however you want to do that. It's it's real um, 
configurable. You can play it on anything. Uh, and you also get this huge uh, PDF manual, which has everything you need to know. It has all the backstory and stuff like that. It's $9.99. I bought my copy this morning, and I have not had a chance to play it, but I will be playing it this uh, uh, this evening. I can't wait to jump into that, I believe. Uh, she said that it has somewhere around 20 hours worth of gameplay adventure. So, um, and if you've played any of Sarah Jane Avery's games in the past, you know that she puts out quality stuff. She's done a lot of shoot 'em up games. She's done a lot of different style of games, but all of her stuff is just top notch, super great music, graphics, gameplay. Uh, it's, it's the complete package. So I can't, uh, tell you how excited I am. I'm glad, you know, it involves, a. Uh, these witch chronicles and I was hoping that it would come out before Halloween, which it has. So in fact, I might stream this. Uh, this might be the game that I stream Wednesday night. You know what? I might do a twofer and also do the game that we're talking about on this episode. Uh, finally, I got a uh, question from one of my Patreon supporters and uh, this episode's question was, what is my favorite genre for Commodore games? And what is my least favorite genre of Commodore games? And I can tell you that the genres that I enjoy and I play have changed over time. When I was a kid, I really liked adventures. I liked Bard's Tale. I liked Ultima. I liked those style of games. Fantasy was a game uh, I played a lot. Um, there's one called Sword of Denethagar, I think is right. So I really like those but unfortunately, I just don't have time to play all. Like I would play, I would juggle those. You know, I'd play one for a while, play another one. I just can't keep up with that stuff anymore. And so for the most part, I play games that I can sit down and play in one session. Mostly that's arcade or arcade style games. Um, branching out a little bit of the Commodore 64, I still enjoy text adventures and I still enjoy uh, point and click style adventures so in fact there's a, a new point and click adventure that just came out this week uh so it's those type of games that i find myself playing the most uh you know quick action style games that i can play over and over uh, and play a lot in a short period of time uh what i don't uh my least favorite is probably real-time strategy games and what they call 4x games uh, these are games uh, where you have to, you know, build cities or do things and mine things. And I just don't have the attention span for them anymore. I don't play a lot of those. Um, and I'm not good at them. And I never was good at them. And they always felt like work to me. <laughs> they never felt like a game. Uh, so, yeah, mostly arcade stuff. Although uh, I hate to, to answer with that answer or right after mentioning Briley Witch Chronicles because I am super excited about that. Uh, as an RPG, and I will probably be playing that incessantly over the next uh, couple of weeks. So uh, if you would like to submit a question for the podcast, you could do that through uh, Patreon for the $10, the high roller VIPs get to do that. I, I, I wish that I could do it on the lower ones, but I get so many questions that I don't have enough space on my podcast to do them. So I had to move it up to that tier. So that's that's where that lives. Uh, if you have any feedback about this episode of the show or any episode of the show, 
You can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. You can join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me over on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on my podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. Also, don't forget that all of my Patreon supporters get access to the Amigos Discord server, uh, which is home to several podcast communities, including the Amigos, ARG Presents, Pixel Guide In, and the TeamSpeak Irregulars. Uh, there's all kinds of things that you get by supporting me through Patreon. You get a the weekly Rando Rob video, you get uh, behind the scenes blog posts, you get other kinds of blog posts, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, so if you would like to support my shows and the money uh, goes back into the shows, it goes into computers and hardwares and domain hosting fees and all kinds of stuff like that, that uh, all kinds of costs that podcasters ultimately encounter, uh, you could go over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and find out more. The lowest uh, tier is $4 a month, and I try to put out four shows a month, so it's basically $1 per show each month. And don't forget that this episode of Sprite Castle is proudly sponsored by Retro Rewind. For all your Commodore bits, bytes, and accessories, visit Retro Rewind at RetroRewind.ca. Uh, when you're checking out, I haven't updated the picture on this, but the uh, checkout code has changed. So when you check out, Use SC for Sprite Castle 10 to get 10% off your total order. So if you buy a little bit, you get a little bit of a discount. If you buy a lot, you get a bigger discount. See how it works? 10% scalable. That's them, uh, how that math works, I guess. I don't know. I didn't do so good at math. But uh, Retro Rewind has uh, all kinds of stuff. If you go, just go check it out. If you have a Commodore computer, go to RetroRewind.ca and just look around. All their, uh, They have uh, troubleshooting harnesses. They have cartridges. They have all kinds of stuff uh, that you probably either uh, uh, don't have yet or don't know about. That's the only reason why you wouldn't have one. So, I don't know. It's kind of going on about Retro Rewind. But uh, I go out there about once a month and just go see what they've got, if they've got anything new. And, and uh, I think most... Uh, the money that I have made from uh, advertising on this show through Retro Rewind has gone right back to Retro Rewind's website, and I've used my own discount code about three times to order things. <laughs> so, Retro Rewind, can't beat it. And those are this week's headlines, which were brought to you by my local paperboy, who just ran into one of the tombstones in my neighbor's yard. Got any cookies in there? Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. You know, as a kid, Halloween and trick-or-treating is all about the candy that you get. You go out, knock on doors, people give you candy, you come home. Some of the candy's good. Some of it may not be so good. You know, you might get a Reese's Pieces, a uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That's good. You might get some weird taffy <laughs> or some old hard candy that was left over from last year. That might not be as good. But the thing about being an adult is you can really buy candy anytime you want. <laughs> you don't have to wait till Halloween to get a thing of candy. I could go to Sam's right now and buy a bucket with eight pounds of Jelly Bellies in it, you know. <laughs> so... I don't have to wait till Halloween, but 
I really don't need that much sugar, that much candy in my life. But there's this, this small window that seems to happen every year where I go out and buy candy and I buy it uh, not immediately before Halloween, like maybe two or three weeks before Halloween. And what happens every year? That candy gets eaten <laughs> before Halloween and we have to go buy uh, new candy. So uh, we went to the store a couple of weeks ago and bought a bag of uh, these new Kit Kats and they are in a green bag. You can't miss them. And they say Witch's Brew on them. And they are regular Kit Kats, but it says marshmallow flavored. And they are covered. It's like got marshmallow either under the chocolate or mixed in with the chocolate. And let me tell you, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's so good, in fact, that I found myself walking from my room in here out to the little bowl of candy, which is next to our front door. We were all ready for trick-or-treaters, and I went in there and got a couple, came back in, worked on this episode. And I went back out there, then I came back in with another handful, and uh, I'm not proud to say that we're going to have to buy more candy <laughs> before Halloween, because someone has eaten all the Witch's Brew Kit Kats, and unfortunately, that person is me. So, um, I don't really have any food that I associate with the monsters or with this game, uh, but it's definitely a Halloween kind of fun game. And so this Halloween candy is what I ate most of while I was working on this episode. I loved trick-or-treating as a kid. Did you ever, uh, have that house, that one house in your neighborhood that was so scary that you were afraid to go up there? Boy, we, we had that house in my neighborhood. Uh, but speaking of scary houses. The Monsters was published for the Commodore 64 in 1989 by Alternative Software. It is a game for one player that uses joystick controls. Um, if you look on uh, Lemon 64 versus Moby Games versus other places, you will see different um, publishers because different people publish this game for different systems. But on the Commodore 64, it was published by Alternative Software. Uh, Alternative Software was based in Castleford, Castleford, uh, in Yorkshire, England. They published lots of games for the Commodore 64, the Dalek Attack, Zoids, Huckleberry Hound in Hollywood Capers. I think that's a DOS game, actually. Um, but they, uh, they published several games for the Commodore 64, and I would say they're all about of this same quality. A lot of the people that worked on this, a lot of the companies that worked on this, this is all their first title. I believe this is their first uh, listed Commodore title. It was programmed by Bill Count and Pete Hickinson. Uh, the graphics were by M. Edwards, and I looked these guys up, and this was the first game that all of these guys worked on. And then we have the music by the uh, infamous Ben Daglish. And uh, once you hear the music, in fact, I have a small clip of it here, uh, you can you can tell that it was done by someone great. And uh, uh, Ben Daglish is one of the greats for the system, for sure. By the way, if you like that theme, uh, then you should play this game, and I'll tell you why <laughs> very shortly. Um, the, 
This is the description that's listed on the back of the box. The characters from the 60s TV series The Monsters have been transported away to a mysterious castle. Playing as different members of the family in succession, the player must rescue them. As you walk through different or walk through each room, you must collect items to help you deal with each challenge. You must build up your spell power by shooting ghouls, zombies, and vampires, as this allows you to deal with other challenges. Avoid contact with those monsters as they will zap your energy and finally kill you. And then it says, you have but a single life. Well, that is uh, <laughs> definitely true. Um, you you do play as all the different monsters, so that is true in advertising. And uh, you do have a small, um, it's not a health meter, it's a vial of energy that gets depleted. But once it's gone, you are dead. And in this game, dead is dead. You will be starting over. Uh, this, of course, uh, this game was based on the Monsters television show. The Monsters television show aired in the United States from 1964 to 1966. There are five main members of the family. There's Grandpa, the vampire. Lily, who is Grandpa's daughter. There's Herman, the giant Frankenstein-looking fellow. Then we have Eddie, who... It's kind of uh, he's a small vampire, although sometimes he is also seen as uh, he has some werewolf look to him. I don't know. And then there's Marilyn, who looks completely normal, probably named after Marilyn Manson. So these five characters of the show lived in uh, this uh, big haunted mansion. And um, it was actually created kind of as a satire of uh, the American life at that time. It was made by the producers and the creators of Leave It to Beaver. So they took that show and kind of made a satire by flipping all the characters into um, strange-looking people, although they act to totally normal and never seem to realize that they were uh, different than anyone else. Uh, the Monsters aired for 70 episodes on those two seasons, and then it was canceled after the release of Batman. The ratings for Batman were so good that uh, it drove the Monsters right off the air. Of course, at the same time the Monsters were on the air, they were competing against uh, the Addams Family, which was another similar uh, television show at that time. When we look at the box of... The monsters, we see the logo to the TV show, The Monsters, which is in front of the house. That's on the top third. And then we see uh, the five characters of the family and some ghosts kind of swirling around. Um, it's a, a nice artwork. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it's airbrushed. It may be a watercolor painting. I'm not really sure, but uh, it, it's definitely artwork. And uh, they have pretty good likenesses of the characters, but not enough to where they were... Um, like not airbrushed or, or traced or anything like that. So uh, there, it's definitely, a, you know, a drawing, I would say. Um, now, I like to read and talk about the manuals of these games. I have looked everywhere online and uh, have not been able to find uh, a manual, a PDF, a walkthrough, text, anything about this game. So uh, that does leave a little bit of mystery as to how this game works and, and exactly what all the, the things are and the missions you're trying to accomplish. Um, I did want to point out on this drawing, and if you're watching the video version, you can see the, the cover. 
it has the five members, which I mentioned, you know, Grandpa and Herman and Lily. Everybody's here. And it has Eddie up front, and he's holding a bat, like a baseball bat, which is really weird because nobody uses a weapon in this game. Certainly nobody uses a baseball bat. And it almost makes you wonder if this is a joke. Like, because there's vampires and he's holding a bat, like a, you know, like some sort of pun there. Or in my head, I wonder if the art department was like, hey, put a bat by Eddie or something. And they drew a baseball bat instead of a, a vampire bat. I really don't know why he's holding a bat, but it, it's, um, it does jump out at you when you look at the artwork. I did find a advertisement online for this game. It has uh, essentially the same artwork. It has the, um, well, it does have the exact same artwork that the game has. Uh, but of course, being an advertisement, it also has some screenshots on the right-hand side. And it does explain uh, essentially what we're going to be doing in the game, which again is controlling the monsters and um, trying to find Marilyn, who has been uh, kidnapped. Uh, I also found, and, and this was helpful, uh, as I was looking around, I did find a map. Now, I don't know, this must have come from a computer magazine back in the late 80s or early 90s, uh, but it is a cartoon stylized version of the map, and it shows all the levels and the layouts of the room, which is very complicated when you're playing the game. Uh, so I can see how this would definitely come in handy. And I did reference this while I played the game. Uh, as I switch on the video version here, as I move over to the video, I would like to point out, and I'm not uh, really patting myself on the back, but I could not find a complete walkthrough or playthrough of this game, uh, the Commodore 64 version on YouTube. And so I made one. <laughs> So the video that I am playing on the video is actually me. Now, I did find a version of this with cheat modes enabled, which basically gave you unlimited health and unlimited spell power. Uh, I don't know that I could beat the game without those cheats. Maybe I could, but if I did, uh, it would have taken me a lot longer. <laughs> and I, I really needed to move this along. So uh, the video you're watching uh, is is me playing the game, but... You'll see it a lot of times I tend to walk through bad guys and things like that and my health doesn't go down, which is something that would kill you normally. Uh, the title screen, loading screen, and uh, menu screen are all essentially one screen. It is the same screen. It opens up with Herman Munster being chased by a ghoul running left to right over and over and over. Uh, we have uh, credits that say by WC Count and P. Hickinson, graphics by M. Edwards, uh, copyright 1988 Tiger Development, and then we have another copyright notice, 1964 Universal City Studio, and that would be for the Monsters license. Uh, once you press a button on your joystick, you are immediately dropped in the game and things start moving. So there's no pre-game introduction. There's no text that prepares you that says, get ready. Uh, nope, it is live and your game begins immediately. Uh, when the game begins, you are looking at a, a two-dimensional cutscene or a, a, not a cutscene, but like looking into a dollhouse, you know, I have a, a, a two-dimensional view of a room. 
Uh, the top third of the screen has the logo that says the Munsters. And then on the left and right, there are two giant uh, bottles. They're vials. Uh, and the one on the left is your health. And the one on the right is your spell power. And so we will talk about your spell power here in a minute. Uh, I think the one on the left says energy, but that is basically your hit points. But once that bottle is drained again, uh, you don't die and respawn. The game is over. So once that bottle empties out, that's it for you. Now, as you walk around, you will see different types of ghouls almost immediately. There are small ones flying around. There are large, full-size uh, skeletons that are they're almost like zombies. And then there's uh, other things flying around. Uh, some of those, when you shoot, your spell power goes up. Other times, uh, when you shoot them, your spell power just goes down. And so one of the things you have to do is watch your spell power because you have to build your spell power up during the game to be able to defeat some of the more advanced enemies. Like you could defeat the early small ghosts that fly around, but you can't defeat the uh, full-size skeleton zombie guys until you've you've raised your, your uh, spell power. And when you uh, play the game with the cheats on, like I did, your spell power is always at 100%, and so you can <laughs> uh, uh, kill them. Now, this because you're looking at a two-dimensional cross-section of a house, uh, when you move the joystick left and right, you move left and right on the screen, but up and down don't move you uh, necessarily up or down. They move you, uh, well, they do kind of, because there could be a, a stairwell like on the side that's closest to you or on the further side. So... You don't move up in that two-dimensional thing. You move up where you go up to the next level of the house or down. It's kind of complicated. And what's really frustrating by that design system is that means that you can't jump and you can't duck. So you're going to have ghosts and ghouls and zombies and all kinds of creatures flying at your head. And you can't duck. You can't avoid these things. And you can't jump over anything that comes at you you know, like a lower attack. All you can do is shoot your spells and every character shoots a little differently. Since you start off with Lily, she seems to be showing, uh, she shoots these fireballs that go uh, at a an arc. So they go up, it's almost like um, uh, Ghosts and Goblins where they go up and then they drop down. Now you can hold the joystick up and fire up and you will fire a higher arc, but that's it. That's your two options. And there are some, enemies later in the game that are uh, in the ceiling, you know, hanging down from the ceiling that that's uh, useful for. Uh, you have, you start off playing as Lily Munster. I think I mentioned that and uh, you immediately begin walking around. Uh, the graphics are somewhat confusing as to what you can interact with and what you can't interact with. There's all kinds of things in the room. There are clocks uh, there are, you know, it looks like um, uh, dishes, bowls, there are things on the ground, there are flower pots, there's all kinds of things in this game, but you can't interact with, with almost anything. They're just, it's just put there as artwork. Uh, now, as I mentioned, the Monsters theme, if you like it, congratulations, because the Monsters theme plays on a loop throughout the entire game. Uh, the sound effects are limited or or none at all, really. Uh, it's just the music. And so you will be hearing that song on a loop uh, until you decide to turn this game off, which for most people will probably not be very long, <laughs> unfortunately. 
Um, so again, the uh, button on the joystick shoots. So there is, uh, again, like I said, there's no jump, there's no duck. And it feels really strange when you're playing a essentially a side-scrolling platform style game and there is no way to do those things. Now, the point of this game is confusing. The ultimate goal to this game is to rescue Marilyn. Uh, but you begin the game playing as Lily and there's no obvious way to switch to another character. So as you go through the house, over time, uh, as you power your spell power up, you're able to defeat bigger creatures, and ultimately you will start finding some things that you can obtain that are useful to you. Now, the one is a key, and the key is pretty obvious that it unlocks the door going to the outside, but there are uh, two different spheres that you collect. There's a red one and a silver one. I don't really know what that represents. Um, there's also something that looks like either a gas can or a book. I picked that up and then was able to kill the ghost that's blocking your exit from the house. But I don't really, maybe that's a spell book or something that upgrades your spells. But without the manual, I just don't know what those things are supposed to represent. Um, but as you keep playing through Lily, at one point you will encounter Herman Munster and Grandpa, but they are just stationary. They don't interact with you. They don't follow you. They don't do anything. Um, they're just they're just almost like part of the background. But eventually you will get to a point where you've done everything you need to do with Lily and you will get to the room and then Lily goes away. And then all of a sudden you're controlling Grandpa with Herman Munster following you. And so then you become Grandpa Monster. And so you continue the adventure. You go through this whole series of rooms. You shoot these uh, um, bad guys or whatever. And once uh, there, you'll find a ladder and you climb this ladder. And then Grandpa turns into a bat and flies away and leaves you controlling Herman. And so then it is with Herman that we continue the game. And we go through uh investigating you know searching this whole house or whatever and then we do find uh eddie <laughs> one of our children and then we go back outside and then once you go outside the whole game changes this game has been uh i mean every room it's it's all a 2d platform puzzle kind of game and when you go outside all of a sudden you are controlling spot and if you didn't know, Spot is the monster's pet dragon. And so it becomes kind of a horizontal shoot 'em up where you are flying to the right. You're controlling the dragon and you move up and down and witches and monsters, ghosts are flying towards you and you must move up and down and shoot them. But the family is traveling in uh, their their little car. And I don't think it's the Dragula. I think it's the other, uh, car. Gosh, I can't think of what the name of it is, but it's the, I think it's the something, uh, I don't remember what it was, but anyway, regardless, uh, they're in their family car. And so a lot of times what you have to do is, uh, you will see like pedestrians or kids on bicycles and you have to pull down and pick up, hold down the button and pick up the car uh, so it's like making the car jump, So, but you're the dragon, so you're picking it up, and then you set it back down. Of course, while you're doing that, you can't shoot. Uh, so so it's an interesting 
gameplay, I mean, level, you know, um, and it's really, really long. It's probably time-wise, it's probably half the game is uh, this this part where you're just flying as the dragon, shooting people and picking the car up and down. Uh, then finally, you find another house and you go inside as Herman and it is full of doors. And so all you do is you walk in and you keep opening doors and monsters come out and you shoot them. And after about three screens of that or four screens of that, you open a door and Marilyn steps out. And then the game says, congratulations, and moves you to the high score screen. Uh, so that's it. No <laughs> no different music. Um, and if you're watching the video version of this, uh, th I've already beaten the game. If you saw the congratulations screen, it's already over. So this, uh, it, the video has restarted. So it doesn't take... Uh, well, especially with cheating, it, it took even less time, but it takes uh, definitely less than 10 minutes to walk through uh, the entire game if you know uh, where you're going and uh, what you need to pick up. But uh, yeah, it just says congratulations. You put in your score and then you're taken to that title screen. And if you press a button, you start the game all over. So it's kind of uh, a lackluster ending. I was hoping to see maybe the whole family or a picture uh, or anything, really, but it literally just writes the word congratulations, and it's only on the screen for about three seconds, uh, and then it's over. Again, I like to pull the scoring out of the manual, but I could not find a manual this week. Um, when you shoot things, the amount of points that they're worth pops up on the screen, so the lowest ghouls and ghosts are 250 points. The majority of them are 500 points and then i think i saw some of the bigger ones are 1250 um, but this game isn't really about the score it's really just about beating it i would say um you know i found a couple of reviews for this game but the, there was one review that's really stood out and it had a and it wasn't for the commodore 64 version it was for um i think it was for the amiga version but it was a score rating of 55%. And it went through and it kind of explained the game, which is where I got some of this information from. And it said, you know, the 50, the, the positive was, okay, well, the graphics, like you can recognize the characters and the backgrounds have color. And and uh, so it looks good. And, and, you know, like I said, if you like that song, sounds good because you're going to hear it a lot. Uh, fortunately, it sounds good, right? Um, but on the negative side, it said the gameplay is weird. It's confusing. It's not really fun. It's really hard. You should really get more than one life uh, to do this. And more than that, it should just explain what you're doing. There should be pop-ups that say, you know, find this, go to this door. It just really depends too much on people reading the manual to understand what is actually happening in this game. Uh, as someone who, again, used uh, trainers and cheaters to beat the game, I'm still not entirely sure what happened. <laughs> I mean, I know that I rescued somebody, but I don't know what those little spheres are. I don't know what some of the things are. Apparently, there's some story behind the ghouls and, and this and that, uh, and why or who captured the monsters. You know, it, it also says that the monsters were uh, captured or kidnapped and whisked away to this castle, but why couldn't it have been the monster's house? Um, I mean, the monsters kind of live in a creepy, weird house in the first place. So I, I don't really know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, 
this game did appear on quite a few different systems. It was released on the Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, DOS, MSX, and the ZX Spectrum. Uh, some versions, you know, obviously uh, the ZX Spectrum probably looks the worst of, of all of them. It has a lot of... Uh, the backgrounds are like a single color and stuff like that, but it doesn't really change the game. And the Amiga and Atari ST versions look the best. The backgrounds are much more highly um, defined and there's more colors. But again, it doesn't really make it a better game. So, I mean, the game is what it is. It's just slight variations in the graphics. Um, there are no sequels to this game. There are no updated versions of this game. While trying to find information on this game, I found a million hits for Monsters Pinball, which was released from Stern. And there is a game called Planet Coaster, uh, which is a basically a um, theme park simulator type game. And there is a add-on pack called the Monsters... Oh, Monster Coach. That's the name of the car. The Monster Coach Construction Kit. And so uh, you can add the monsters into Planet Coaster if you want. Um, but not a lot out there for this game. Uh, in fact, I had the same problem when trying to find links to purchase it on eBay. I found uh, lots of links to the Monsters board games. There was also a Monsters card game. And uh, found even a few Monsters lunchboxes. But the only copy of the video game that I found was for the Amiga, and it was a very reasonable $7. So if you're a Monsters collector or an Amiga collector, uh, it had an, another 20-something shipping to me because it was in the UK. So if you're in uh, uh, England, it might be a little bit cheaper for you to uh, have it shipped. But I uh, could not find any Commodore 64 copies. Uh, if I had found a manual available, I would have bought it just so I would know more about uh, what was going on. And now let's get into my paltry memories of the monsters. All right, time As a kid, I was not a big fan of the Munsters or the Adams Family. And in fact, I mixed them up quite frequently. I wasn't sure which was which. Um, I don't think I, in my head, that that became clear to me until the Adams Family movies came out when I was uh, right around the time I was graduating high school, maybe a few years after that. So there was Adams Family, uh, Adams Family Values, I think was the second one. And those were uh, fun movies. And unfortunately, it really put Adam's family in the spotlight because when you go back and look, there was a Adam's family cartoon that came out. You have these Adam's family, not the newer CGI. Now there's two Adam's family CGI movies. So Adam's family really seems to have found a second life, but the monsters really haven't. Now, there is news right now that Rob Zombie is working on relaunching the monsters and they are currently filming a monsters movie which will be coming out next year so maybe uh the monsters will see a rebirth the same way that the adams family has but i don't know 
Um, but, uh, you know, as a kid, and I, I've talked about this before, I, I may have talked about this on, on You Don't Know Flack when I was talking about documentaries, but definitely uh, when it comes to film, as a kid, the first movie that I ever remember seeing was Star Wars. And so when my parents would watch Westerns, and, and this is something I did talk about on them, uh, one of my podcasts recently, but when when my parents would watch Westerns, those seemed like really old to me, like, you know, Cowboys and Indians, that was old. And, you know, Star Wars and science fiction, that's what was new, right? And what doubled down on that was anything that was in black and white. And if something was in black and white, I just lost interest immediately. And it's only recently that I've started going back and watching, I say only recently, like, you know, probably since I went back to uh, college like five or six years ago, that I really found an affinity for watching these really old black and white movies, you know, and going back and watching, you know, I mean, I'd seen obviously the, the universal horror stuff, but like the thin man series or these really old, you know, um, and, uh, anything that's pre code. If you, if you read about that, those are, those are interesting. So, um, lots of those early type movies are just fascinating. And I hadn't, hadn't really gotten into those, you know? So even though, uh, like, I watched Batman as a kid and Batman literally, I mean, is the same era. It's, it's mid to late sixties, but there's something about these shows because they were in black and white that I just associated them with being old and therefore something that wasn't worth watching. And so I had, didn't really start watching them, you know, again, until I got older. So I don't really have a lot of old memories of watching the monsters, but I'm excited to see what happens with this, uh, new movie and hopefully um i like rob zombie i like eh, i like rob zombie's music and so we'll see what he does <laughs> with the movies Hear ye, hear ye. It is time to pass judgment on the monsters. As I pull up my new graphic where we are looking at a pixel courtroom. We are now taking this into the Sprite Castle courtroom. For the graphics for this game, I give it three out of five Draculas. Uh, some of the game is good, but... Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, one of the problems with doing this in real time is that I'm dragging the slider instead of the volume around. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, graphics, I give it three out of five Dragulas. Um, some of the graphics are good. Some of them, it's hard to tell what's going on. For the music, I mean, I give it three out of five. If we want to go off the song, I give it four, four and a half out of five. The problem is, is that the song is too long and it just loops over and over and it becomes a uh, pretty grinding earworm by the time you're done playing. For sound effects, I give it zero out of five dragons. There really are no sound effects to speak of. And overall gameplay, I have to give this, unfortunately, a two out of five Dragulas. Um, it's a fun license, but a confusing game. The graphics make it difficult to tell exactly what's going on, what you can and can't interact with, and what the goal of the game, along with its mechanics, is uh, without the manual is pretty impossible to decipher.
feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can always email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All patrons of my shows get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. An extra special thanks to all my patrons. These are the people that keep the show moving forward every single week. So thank you to my 8-Bit supporters, Alan Hennessy, Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Brian Barr, Carrie Clanton, Chris Albright, new supporter. Hello, Chris. Chris Folds, C Dubs, Calbert Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Dave Velociraptor, David Hearn, David Modelak, Eric Stryanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warns, John Bodakar Schaller, new supporter John Pearson. Hello, John. John Treholt, Jose Cazada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Ellie, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Nathan Dagenhart, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Rad Max. I love it when a phone alarm goes off in the middle of a show. Rydar and Christopher Bow, Retro Trace, Rick Reynolds, new supporter Robot Doctor 82 for all your robotic doctor needs. Hit up Robot Doctor 82. Roy Jacobs, Scooter Prime, Scott Lambert, another new supporter, Scott Meredith. Hello, Scott, longtime listener and longtime friend. Thanks for joining up with the Patreon crew. Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, The Slow Norris. Zeke Pabsky, Zerfall, and the mysterious Cobra Kai. And extra special thanks to my 16-bit supporters, Bill Spear, Boatshead Tavern BBS, Dan Creek, Dave Zilly, Edward Smith, John Morrison, Matt Nicholson, Matt Smith, Scott Vandrasic, Steve Sharepa, and Vintage Volts. Thank you guys so much for your support for the show. If it weren't for you, there would not be a show. This episode of Sprite Castle is proudly sponsored by Retro Rewind. For all your Commodore bits, bytes, and accessories, visit Retro Rewind at RetroRewind.ca. Don't forget to use SC10 when checking out for a 10% discount on all orders. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the RSS feed at podcast.robohair.com, and through the official Amigos Podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. To hear more podcasts from me, like You Don't Know Flack, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohara.com for links to these shows. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, Vintage is the New Old, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. I'm headed back to 1313 Mockingbird Lane, but I'll see you guys here next time at the Sprite Castle. <laughs>